conversation with me, broadcaster Helen Fospero. Millions of people love the BBC documentary featuring Line of Duty and Trigger Point star Vicky McClure on her very personal journey to start a dementia choir. The good news is the next series is currently being filmed and will be on our screens on BBC One this autumn. Today I've come to Mansfield where the choir is rehearsing with Vicky for a concert tonight and from what I've heard so far they're in fine voice. Vicky, it's a privilege. It really is to come to rehearsals and see everyone so hard at work and working on the new BBC documentary. How's it all going? It's going great. I'm so pleased you guys are here. It's been a long time coming this performance because we were meant to do it at Christmas and COVID struck. So we had to rethink it. So we've we called it the Easter performance. And it's uh, it's just a very heartwarming day. Everybody's very excited. The choir are sounding great. Rehearsals have gone well. They've got lots of songs to sing. So yeah, they've got big challenges ahead, which is exactly what the choir is about, challenges. And how excited are you that the BBC is making another series of this for us all to enjoy in the autumn? I'm calling it the third series because it sounds better. So we did a Christmas special last year, which was brilliant. And it was just an opportunity for us to catch up with some of the people in the choir because everyone became really very fond of people and connected with certain people in the choir. And you want to know how they're doing. And what's heartbreaking is that when we sort of, you know, we put things on our Instagram page and we'll let people know when when certain people have passed away. And it's inevitable. And when we started the first series, it was always on my mind that I'd love to keep this going and I'd love to see how far we can go with it. But ultimately, we're not going to be able to continue with the same people throughout the entirety. And we've lost a lot of people throughout the the time that we've been together. So it's harsh because, I don't know, we don't, we don't want to always be concentrating on the sorrow and the the tragedy of what dementia brings. And that's what the kind of show is about, is trying to find that fine balance of living well with dementia, but also the harsh realities that come with it. It is a really fine balance. And just sitting in rehearsals today and looking at the little table next to the stage where I think yeah. you've lost, I think Karen, who organises the choir, said you've lost 10 members. Yeah. And to see their photographs, they're, they're here in spirit with you. And then you look over to the faces of all the different choir members and I can see as a, an outsider the joy, the challenges and the struggles that they're all facing. And it's a real emotional roller coaster as, a, as an audience member. Yeah, it's a lovely touch. Karen Bonser, whose husband is Mick, who you'd know well from the choir. She's our charity manager and she is the beating heart of this this charity without a shadow of a doubt. She's elevated it to new new levels for sure. And she's placed them right next to the stage. And when I walked in today, I said, oh, okay. I said, so where, do the, where does everyone enter into the room? And she says, oh, right over there. And I says, oh, should we not 
move that table so people can see them and she went no they need to be near the choir they need to be next to the choir and it makes me go cold now just the fact that Karen lives and breathes dementia and as much as she doesn't live with it her husband lives with it so therefore she does and this is what the choir is about it's a community it's a family it very much is as important for the choir and those living with dementia as it is for those family members and carers that are looking after them that's something we wanted to make sure so the 10 people that we have lost majority of their carers or family members still come to the rehearsals and they're not there with their with their loved ones but they're there to support new members and they're there to support each other and they've gained friends and beautiful relationships and so that's why it's important and that's why it feels so so big now because I think we've got 18 members now and we had 22 to begin with at the series one but we've gained a lot more people because they just want to be here. You have become a community it's clear. Yeah. I think what's really lovely as well Vicky when you come in is that everybody's got their names on the hoodies so yeah. you can talk to the choir members by name which is a really lovely touch yeah. and you mentioned Karen's husband Mick who's been in the choir since since day one. Yeah. Mix 55, he's the same age as me. And that's a stark reminder to me, who has an 87 year old dad suffering sadly with dementia, that it's not just in the elderly, is it? A lot no. of younger people suffer with dementia too. We saw with Daniel, who was in the choir, was in his early 30s when he passed away. And that is very rare. So it's not to say that it's getting to the point where people are, are being diagnosed that young, but evidently he still had dementia at, at such a young age and helped to open up a lot of conversations. And in that is that people are being diagnosed in their 40s and 50s, and that isn't that rare. It's just we've got to a point now where we've started to understand things more scientifically. We're able to recognise when that could be the early sign of dementia. And the fact that we can live with dementia for 10 to 15 years, it's a long time. We can't write people off the minute they get diagnosed. And the quality of life and how we can basically give people a quality of life will extend their possibility of life. And that's partly what the choir is about. And if you speak to people like Karen and Mick, she's got him going to so many things. There's so many activities. He loves to walk. There's, there's so many things that he gets through in a week. And it's beautifully timed and Karen gets a bit of time out as well when that happens, which is what is so needed. But like you say, these people are young and yet their life is completely turned upside down. Not being able to communicate with your loved ones and not being able to function in the way that you used to, whether that's driving, working, cooking, cleaning. The, the simple things that we all take for granted can very quickly or very slowly become a distant memory and... It's just heartbreaking. I mean, we have so many different illnesses and ailments now, don't we, in this world where we're faced with it, whether it's mental health. And we know that you can't see that. And it's exactly the same with dementia. You can't see it. And what I'm desperate to do is just raise as much awareness as we possibly can so that when you go into a shop and someone's getting confused at a till because they forgot their PIN number, you might recognise that that person might be living with dementia. So just be patient and just trying to find new ways in which we can help people live independently because they still can. There's a lot to be said about living well with that illness. There is. That's a really nice phrase. For those who haven't seen the documentary, I know it was really, really well watched, Vicky, but just reminders of, of how this is a very personal story 
story for you and what motivated you in the first place when the BBC came and put this idea about forming a dementia choir. It really is special to you, isn't it? Yeah. So my nana had dementia and that was that was the first cause of death, which really took me by surprise, to be honest, because Did I didn't think it could kill you. I didn't know. Yeah. I genuinely could tell you now. I did not know. I just thought dementia was something that happened, but yet you just live with it and then you probably die of old age or I don't know. I was completely in the dark. And I think it's only when something really steps into your world that you start and take uh, more of an infested interest in those kind of things. So therefore that's what happened. And my mum very quickly discovered that music was something she responded well to. So whether or not we were singing nursery rhyme or a song that she might sing, it was a way in which we could all communicate together. And it was it was quite evident that it was a powerful thing. I did work with the Alzheimer's Society from, I think I've been working with them now for about 12 years or something. So from then it was like I had an interest just because I was helping out a charity. Then all of a sudden my non was diagnosed. And then after that, me and my mum were approached by, I can't, it's going to annoy me that I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically like a regional show. It's like an inside out. And we did that and it was very small. I think it was like a 10 minute segment, but it was really quite heartbreaking at the time because my nonna was in a, in a really bad place. She was screaming a lot and it was towards a later stage. So it was quite distressing. But my mum was, I have so much love for my mum anyway, but just the fact that she was wanting and willing to say, I want people to see what this is about and we weren't expecting it. And how do you get the care and how do you make all this work? It's so confusing the disease, but then also trying to make everything around it get the care you need. And how do you look after somebody that can't communicate with you? And she just wanted to shine a light. And that happened. And then Curve Media, who make Adam and Choir, got in touch and said, we've seen this and we think there's a show there to be made. And I remember when they named the show Vicky McClure with that Adam and Choir, I went, oh, no, 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 I don't like it. Because, <laughs> yeah, because I just went, oh, I don't, it's not about me. It's about them. It's just lovely that I'll be sort of involved. Now I'm like, yeah, whatever it takes to get it out there. And I'm very happy to use my platform that I feel really blessed and grateful to have to try and shine a light on something that I think needs a much bigger light shining on it. It affects so many people's lives. And it's great that you do embrace your platform. You're, you'll probably cringe when I say, but your celebrity platform, your notoriety for drama. And I've seen you do it with your line of duty colleagues as well, Teenage Cancer Trust the other week. But it's really important that your presence here lifts it and it gets it out there. And it's really nice to see that you are completely properly involved in this. You're not parachuted in no. as TV's Vicky McClure. You were here before we were here early and see you in meetings and chatting to everybody. And I think that's really important. I think that's a great privilege that you are able to use your yeah. notoriety. Thank you for saying that because you don't need to. It's, it's genuinely about, you know, like Teenage Cancer Trust. Just going to a gig the other night, I feel very lucky that I got to see The Who and it was a lovely night out. But there was a video played. There was people in the audience that are survivors and people that are diagnosed with cancer at a young age in our industry and also just in the sort of speed of life. We can all get a little bit caught up in, am I allowed to swear in this? Yes, uh, the of bullshit. course. Yes. And the things that we think matter, yeah. but they don't. What matters is the fact that everybody in that room next door are real people living their lives and living with very difficult circumstances. And the thought of being diagnosed with cancer at a young age 
which is the worst nightmare. All these people are, they're not living in my world where this, the industry side of it comes in and it sort of be a bit blow your vision of what is reality. I don't mind dipping my toe into that kind of world every now and then of course it's part of my job but this and those kind of moments to me are when I'm on my dying bed I'll glow I'm really glad I did that not I'm really glad I went to that party it's like what is most meaningful and this means the world to me and this is why we've registered it as a charity and it's my charity and I'm very proud of it and I do as much work as I can to make sure I am as involved because I don't want to be involved in something unless I can actually make a difference because it's a bit of a lie really. You clearly are making a difference. How have you seen people change through being musically directed by the wonderful Mark Delissa, but watching people learn the lyrics, learn the songs, get that feeling from the music? What positives have you seen it bring? If I put a song on now to us and we just had music play in, you would instantly either tap your foot, smile, get up and dance, sing along, and whatever it was that your trouble was that day, it would either help you understand that trouble or it'd help you sort of escape from that trouble. I genuinely believe that music is a drug. And I don't mean that in a hippy dippy kind of way. I mean it in a, there's something that it connects with in our brains, in our souls, in our bodies that allows us to express ourselves in certain ways. When you put that in the mix with somebody living with dementia who is sometimes confused, sometimes angry, facing lots of different emotions that isn't sometimes in their control. When you bring music into the fold, it allows them to just have that freedom to express their emotions or just feel an ease rather than distress. And you only need to speak to those that are here and in the choir and the carers and the loved ones. The mood in which they leave the choir compared to the mood that they come to the choir in always changes. And scientifically through the show, we've shown lots of different ways in which even by just putting electronic tags on people and seeing how it changes in their heart rate and all those kind of things. We've done it, we've tested it, and it's proof. It really does make a positive impact on people's lives. And I would love nothing more than to see it rolled out so everyone has access to it. There should be really a dementia choir in every area, shouldn't there? You never know, one day. That'd be amazing to think. And and your nonna as well, Iris, lit up, didn't she, when your mum sang to her? So you'd already done a little bit of experimenting yourself, really, or seen the effects. It does. I think for me, I've always been a big lover of music, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but I need it for my job. Whenever I need to get into a dark place at work or I need to tap into something or create a character, music's always the first thing that I'll go to. There's research that needs to be done and all those other layers and costume and things that will create that character. But for me, I'm like, what's their soundtrack? Let's make a playlist. What will I listen to? And I love chatting to people about music because my taste in music is so varied. It goes from Motown to R&B to drum and bass to reggae, hip hop. And then I learn new songs with the choir. I remember us singing something about a bucket. And it was like an old fashioned, like, put the thing in the bucket. I was like, I have no idea what this song is. By the end of it, I'm like, I love this song. <laughs> because I'm all of a sudden connecting. That song is like the choir's song. It brings back memories. Vicky, will you introduce us to some of the choir team and members? Yep. So we have here the wonderful Chris, who is a member of the choir. 
We also have Mick, who is also a member of the choir and is married to Karen, who is our wonderful charity manager, who without this charity would, well, wouldn't be here. We adore you. And then we also have Mark... Delissa, which I have to have to pause because I don't want to say delicious in front of him, but I've done it now. Um, who is our wonderful choir master? Yeah, we have the best of the best here. You have the best of the best. Mark, you did all the arrangements for the royal wedding, didn't you? For Prince Harry's wedding and sang. So we've definitely got the best of the best in you. It's just a small wedding that someone asked me to do an arrangement for. Yeah, it was like, okay, cool, I can I can do that. So yeah, it was it was yeah, that was an experience, most definitely. But I'm imagining leading the dementia choir is also a very rewarding and special experience. Totally. Too. What, totally. Does it, what does it mean to you, Mark? Well it's it means everything really. People always ask me what am I about? And I'm all about people and music and one of the things that I love is getting great music out of great people and they are they truly are amazing and all of the carers as well are super super great and so for me just allowing these guys to sing their hearts out and have a great time is the biggest joy for me even in sparkly bunny ears which is what you were performing in today well I, I actually went to my, my good friend Vicky McClure and asked her if I didn't have to wear these and she said uh, no, you have to wear them. You did have um, to wear them. I now, did have to wear them. Yes. You did. And yes. I noticed that, Chris, you are an original choir member. I noticed your ears were a little bit down, actually, on the rehearsals this afternoon. Well, what I, was I going just, on? I just didn't want my ears to be the same as everyone else's. So I did a little bit of backstage manipulation of the ears. <laughs> Do you know, it was noticed. Your backstage manipulation was noticed because you really stood out. Not least because you also sang a solo in rehearsals, which I thought was really beautiful. No, I won't. Be afraid, no, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand, stand by me So, so darling, darling, stand by me Tell us, Chris, what you love about being part of this very special community. There's lots of things to love about being part of this. We've got a lovely group of people. We've got this girl, Vicky McClure. Without her, it wouldn't have been the same sort of thing. We've got the boy, Mark Delissa. Without him, it wouldn't have been the same sort of event. We've got the whole production team, Peter Coventry, the director, and his team. It wouldn't have been the same without them. He is just stunning at bringing the whole thing together. And is it true that Vicky McClure has been rifling through your kitchen cupboards? She has, yeah. It's terrible, really. You wouldn't believe it, but she has sugar with her, with her beverages. Does she? And she came to our house for a, for a cup of tea the other day and we didn't have any sugar. We don't use sugar. So she didn't believe we didn't have any sugar in the house. So she started going through all the kitchen cupboards looking for some. <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I think I found some caster sugar. It was nice. <laughs> caster sugar. Well, that's, that's special expensive stuff for cooking, Vicky. It's not really for putting in be beverages. <laughs> And Chris, is it also true that you nearly blew it to the nation about who is H in Line of Duty on yeah. live radio? No I was one of the first people on live radio to quell the secret about who H was, because Vicky had told me. So I, I, I said to Nihal, is it Nihal? I don't know. You, you've forgotten his name already? Yes. I said to Nihal live on radio that I actually knew who H was and I was happy to sort of tell everyone, you know. <laughs> and Vicky... Vicky... Started kicking you. Started kicking me and she started jumping about looking like she was laying an egg. <laughs> and on a serious note, Chris, what do you get out of, of singing and how does it make you feel when you get together with these incredible people and sing your heart out? I go all a quiver 
when it's singing time, not, not just here, at home as well, the body starts jumping about, I start tapping, I can't keep my feet still. It's just really exciting. I'm, I'm getting really addicted to sort of singing and music stuff. It's getting really silly, the amount of time that I'm wasting on this sort of stuff. I'm it makes st- you feel happy, I'm hoping. Oh, it's amazing. And it's also worth mentioning, Mrs. Connell is, is a very good soul. A lot of wives would kick up a fuss if their husband was spending five hours a day on a laptop editing songs. But she just gets on with other stuff and doesn't mind that I'm not disturbing her, I think. I don't know. As long as it keeps you out of mischief. Now, talking of mischief, Karen, you run the charity with Vicky and you run the choir and your lovely husband, Mick, is here, who is a choir member. How do you keep this lot together? Uh, Well, I've got a bit of a secret because I actually live with somebody with dementia so obviously I can say what I like and do what I like with everybody who's got dementia and having that experience both Mick and myself are so grateful to Vicky and the BBC for starting this off because otherwise to be perfectly honest I don't think Mick would be here if it wasn't for the choir because Mick lives for music Mm -hmm. and it keeps him alive he has progressed with his dementia but he still loves his singing and he lives for the choir so I thank the Lord for the day that Vicky and the BBC started this choir and everybody else that's been involved because it's been part of our life and I I can only do what I can to help them out which I hope is a good job for the board of trustees and fingers crossed we're going from strength to strength. Mick tell us a bit about your involvement in the choir again you've been in it from day one yeah what do you enjoy about being part of this team? Being fantastic sort of things going off and everything else going all over the place and then enjoying it. How does it help you, do you think? I think it makes it a really good thing to do. I think it's fantastic watching you up there and you've got a beautiful voice. I can pick your voice out when we're listening to rehearsals. What's your favourite song? Uh, Stand By Me. Stand By Me is one of my favourites. It always chokes me up, actually. So we'll be listening to that later. And how excited are you about tonight's performance? Oh, it's going to be great. Going to be amazing, isn't it? And Karen, Mick was diagnosed when he was about 50, 51? 51, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Quite a young age. Finds it hard to communicate, but he knows what he likes and what he doesn't like. And the choir is one of the things that he lives for. Uh, He manages to communicate that and when he wants feeding. And when he wants feeding. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And what just... (laughs) And just finally, having Vicky at the heart of this choir as well. Obviously, the members are the heart of the choir, but Vicky's up there getting the publicity getting the story out there how important is that and what would well, you she's like the to say to her and she's the founder of the choir essentially and her heart's in the choir it's whether she was famous or not in other things she would still be at the heart of our choir and she is the heart of our choir and we love her everybody loves her she she loves us as well and that comes across and she's also my best friend Vicky, final word before we talk about other things. These lot floor me every time. It's like, yeah, like I said earlier, I'd already called you the beating heart of this choir because the amount of effort that it takes to just get people to a venue every other week is is not easy, but there's so much more to it. But yeah, you've heard from the perfect people that you need to hear from, those that are in the choir, those that run the choir, those that create these wonderful moments and memories. 
it's real life. This is reality. And we've got to make every day count. We've got to make each other happy. We've got to keep each other going, pick each other up when we're down. We're a family. We support each other. We've got each other's backs. And that's how it is for the rest of time. then in your research so let's take trigger point which i've just watched and really enjoyed and you play a bomb disposal expert really really gripping six-part itv program what was your soundtrack any examples of what got you in the mood because there were some tense moments in yeah, that Vicky. There, were. there was a lot of uk garage that i used that was my headspace for Lana. There was actually a song that was used. There was a scene where Lana's getting drunk in her living room and she puts some music on and she starts to have a bit of a dance, but then has a, a sort of real breakdown at the end. And I remember saying, oh, can we pick the song now and get it cleared so that we can use it on the day and I can be in rhythm with it and sort of just to lock it in. So they were like, yeah, okay, well, what have you got in mind? And I came up with a song that I'd really loved from years ago when I was at school, I think. I think it was Ed Case, Something In Your Eyes. And it's just a really great, like, drum and bass garage tune. And I was like, you're not going to hear that on ITV? there's something It's great. I love it. All of a sudden, we've tapped in a song to me that I wouldn't have heard in many dramas. And I did get quite a few people messaging me after going, oh my God, I haven't heard that track for years. Thanks so much for bringing that back. Little tiny moments like that, music and score for any show is paramount to get that right and get it tonally right for the show. And if you look at anything from the titles of EastEnders to the title sequence in Line of Duty, it's like a little earworm that starts to become very recognisable. And again, it's that going back into a memory box, if you put on Coronation Street, just the soundtrack of it, the Dementia would go, oh, okay, that, that sound is familiar. And it takes you back to a place. It could take you back to a smell, to anything. And it's just tapping you into, into a memory. I remember that scene in Trigger Point because I remember thinking how difficult it must be to act a scene like that when in the scene you'd been drinking, I think you'd been swigging vodka from a bottle. and, and When it's water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Explain that. I can see how that music will have helped you get into the right mindset for that. Yeah, for things like that, I'm really lucky that, say like Nick Gillespie, who was the DOP on that, we built a beautiful relationship on that job where I felt like I didn't need to check with him where he was going with the camera and he didn't need to tell me. We kind of had a really nice connection where we danced. So that really helps because if somebody is literally filming you all day, me and Nick got on really well. He's a beautiful guy and he's 
so talented. I just thought the way that he shot trigger point was exquisite. But that really helps because if you get on with all your crew and they respect that you've got something difficult to do that day and it's the space in which you're working in. And I seem to have just struck gold on my job. So I've worked with such beautiful people and they're very respectful and they're good fun. And if you mess up, they're there to laugh with you and all that kind of stuff. Am I right in thinking that Trigger Point was executive produced by Jed Mercurio, who of course brought us Line of Duty. Yeah, that's right. Which leads us nicely onto Line of Duty. I mean, gosh, Vicky, 10 years. This drama broke all BBC records at the beginning when you were tucked away on BBC Two. I know. Getting (laughs) 4 million viewers. What has that been like for you and your life and the friendships that you've formed with people like Martin Compton and Adrian Dunbar and the Three Musketeers from the early days? Yeah, it feels like that. It does feel like it's a very surreal thing to have happened because like you say tucked away on BBC Two and in the same breath I'm really glad that's how it started are you? yeah totally I think something builds organically because an audience appreciates it that's what matters the audience without them we don't have a show and I'm more interested in what the audience think than what the critics think and I'm happy for the critics to have their opinion do their job that's, that's completely fine and the good and the bad it's not always going to be perfect but the audience are what propelled us to where we are now we have an amazing fan base on that show that needs to be recognized because it's them that are sending out those kind of signals to other people like get watching this or that water cooler sort of chat that they're having like their theories and it's all that that creates the fun of the show really so I love the fact that it started there and we thought we had a good show we thought we had a good script we had a good cast Jed was an incredible writer and then it just went on from there to the point where we were getting bonkers figures and everyone was going mad for it and nothing's really changed in the making of it. Jed's scripts get stronger. We have an incredible friendship, us four, me, Martin, Jed and Aidy, really good friends. We was all together a couple of weeks ago in Scotland for a charity of Martin's that we were supporting. It was the first time we'd got together properly. And yeah, it was just all met for breakfast the next morning. How you doing? Bit of a thick head. It's lovely. And when you do a new series, is it like putting on an old pair of slippers, being on set with them, because you know so well how they work. I suppose you can absolutely second guess each other at this point. Yeah, to be honest, series six was tough because we was filming in the pandemic and so everything changed everything felt like oh my god we don't and we was the first one of the first productions to go back we didn't know what we was doing right and wrong and we put in all the protocols and we was fiercely careful to make sure that we could get through to the end and we did and everybody was so careful which was hard so it just made it different Our, our sort of Well, I don't say the industry as a whole, but certainly line of duty, there's lots of beers, there's lots of curry nights, there's, it's all that kind of stuff. And if you've had a big day or you've done a long scene, a big interview scene, it's like, we're definitely going to go for a pint after work because we feel that we need that release. Well, we just, we couldn't do that on series six. So we was kind of all going back to our apartments and that was it. (laughs) So it was different. Well, at least things have have changed now. If you need anybody to play a dead body or anything, I'm available. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. not a million miles away from your home, Vicky Nottingham. And I love the fact that you are a great champion of this part of the world. You still live up here. You've not been tempted to the gold paved streets of London or LA or anything like that. Home's really important to you, isn't it? To be honest, I'm in London a lot. I feel like I'm very lucky to have a balance where 
I come home, I feel like I can stop because there's not that sort of hustle and bustle and, and that speed of life. And it's just important for me and Johnny to be around family. So that is, yeah, that to me is just the perfect scenario. When people talk to me about it, I find it strange because to me, I just go, well, I live here. I've always lived here and where else should I live? But in the same breath, I understand that you would expect people to just sort of go, right, well, I'll up and move to, to London because that's where most of it happens. But me and Johnny have set up our own production company. And in the midst of that, our aim is to try and get as much stuff done regionally, whether it's in Wales from where Johnny's from, Merth Tidville. So we want to try and tap into that and Nottingham and, and the East Midlands. This is Build Your Own Films, yeah. isn't it? And you didn't have any golden ticket to fancy stage schools and drama schools. Is this a bit about really helping people, Vicky, achieve those dreams who don't have things handed on a plate? Yeah, and it's not about handing it on a plate. It's about giving the jobs to the people that I feel are the right people for the job. And I don't, you know what? It's such a, it's, it's massive, really. I suppose I, I'm 40 next year, but in the same breath, I'm like, right, I'm obviously quite ambitious because I'm, I've got the charity, I've got the company, I'm going to try and keep doing all the other stuff. You've just got to have a go because life is full of risks and some stuff will work out and some stuff won't. And I would love nothing more than to just give people the opportunity because I know there's so many people out there that if you tap into it in a different kind of way, then you get to meet new people and people that you don't necessarily meet through the original way. So, yeah, we'll and see. And you're making a film, aren't you, Without Sin? Is that your first one for your yeah, new company? Yeah, we've finished that now. It's a four-part series for ITV. So that was produced with Left Bank who made The Crown, and then BYO co-produced it with them, which was brilliant. And it was all shot in Nottingham, some of it here in Mansfield, with Johnny Harris, who's one of my best friends and one of the best actors in the world. He played my dad in This Is England. Again, it was like, can you cast in Nottingham and can you get a full crew? And I was like, yeah, of course. And yeah. we did. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not the end no, of the no, exactly. world, is it, Nottingham? Yeah. No, I think, it's not. I think you get London-centric so often. Yeah. I'm from Grimsby, which your oh, good mate Tommy Turkis yeah. is from there. My Brilliant. brother keeps saying to me, ask Vicky if she'll set up Tommy Turkis. Didn't you come to Grimsby recently? I did. For his birthday yeah, or something like that. Such is he cool? Night. Tomo. Oh, my God. If you want to meet the nicest guy in the industry, meet Tomo. Again, he lives in Grimsby. He's all about his family. He's all about his friends, his, his friends from way back when. He's so humble. He's so talented. I just couldn't wish more goodness for him and just the fact that he's just the nicest guy. I absolutely adore the kid. And yet yeah, he's 30 with children and a wife now. I'm like, he's not a child anymore. Not little Tomo. I'm going to let you get back to rehearsals. What are you looking forward to most tonight about the performance? Oh, I'm looking forward to people hearing the new members sing because we've got loads of new members and I just can't wait for people to see who we've got joining the choir. I just love watching people watch them. The effect that they have on people is incredible. People will be crying tears of joy tonight, not just that sort of sorrow feeling that dementia brings, but real joy. And I want people to go away and go, wow, that was a fantastic night and hopefully raise a load of money. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Raising a lot of money is essential too. And Karen, who we referenced earlier, said to me that I won't go home without a few tears later. Yeah, you do so need your tissues. I've got tissues in my pocket. Thank you so much for making me so welcome oh, and not uh, sharing some of the magic that happens when you get together with your dementia choir. Thank you so much, Thank Vicky. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. 
You've been listening to Vicky McClure and the beautiful voices of her dementia choir, the subject of another series coming to BBC One in the autumn. It's been an emotional afternoon and a joy to see how the power of singing can really help those suffering with dementia and indeed their families and friends that take care of them. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the Convex Conversation at convex.podbean.com or search on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple and Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. I'll be back next week with another great guest, actually another great guest who won't have had three Weetabix for breakfast, which Vicky confessed. Is that true, Vicky? Did you really have three? I always have three. <laughs> I am quite greedy. And we're about to eat some custard creams as well, I think, with another <laughs> cup of tea. So I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Bye for now.